Today we are here at Transport Ticketing Global, otherwise collectively known as TTG. Um, yes, and what is the TTG Global Conference, Johanna? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps our special guest, Hayden, can tell us. Uh, hello everybody. Um, TTG, or Transport Ticketing Global, is the annual event and award for the ticketing industry. So it's frequented by everybody that is both software vendors, hardware vendors, and solution providers in the industry. So you get a lot of rail and transit players, you get payment service providers, you get your consultant, and you get lots and lots of coffee as well, because sometimes you need it. How big do you think that sector is? I, I've, I've, numerically, I have absolutely no idea, and I'm not going to pretend I do. Um, but all I say is this is quite well frequented, but there's awful, as well as goings on and stands here there's lots of deals being done by people having coffee and in side rooms as well so right. it's not just the industry on the shop floor it's where the action's at the action. I have to say the refreshments are very good I did, I did enjoy the lunch yesterday Kensington, <laughs> Kensington Olympia lunches right now we should probably actually introduce you uh, what's your name and where'd you come from what's my name where I come from I'm Hayden Sutherland so I, I actually wear two different metaphorical business hats first one is I run a digital strategy consultancy based at a glass called Ideal Interface. We have financial services, e-commerce, retail and transport clients. And uh, on the back of working with several great transport clients, um, well, 15 years ago I was the head of e-business at Pino Ferries down in the south. Oh yeah. A long time ago. Peninsula uh, and Orient Ferries. Peninsula and Orient, yes. Um, I actually had a great uncle who worked for them and missed the boat home. Uh, who just got stuck in my Addis Ababa for several years. It was a different story though. Um, <laughs> that sounds like an interesting story. <laughs> Um, I, no, um, I, I, as well as doing all that great consulting, work with fantastic clients, um, we have created the Open Transport Initiative. So there, there you go. Okay. You want me to explain what the Open Transport Initiative is? Actually, before, well, yeah. before we go on to the Open Transport Initiative, I want to ask you, how did you end up in Glasgow? Well, um, yeah, you I... never said oh, where well, you're from. Well, I'm, 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 so I live and work now in Glasgow, but my team are distributed all around the UK. Right. Um, so I've got a team of seven consultants, including myself and my wife. And my wife, who is originally from Paisley in Scotland, uh, who I met when we were both working at P&O. Right. So um, I, I pretend that she clubbed me over the head and dragged me to the frozen north. But in reality, it's a fantastic place because I live 10 minutes train journey from... You know, the second city of the empire and uh, 10 minutes from Glasgow airport so I can be anywhere in Europe within a couple of hours really. Fantastic. So it's, it's a wonderful cosmopolitan place and you are going to come up soon I think. We uh, are. Rail Innovation Group. 18th is it? 24th. 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 The 18th is Liverpool. I'm, I'm, I'm losing the plus on everything. <laughs> 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 no, it's my calendar is full of places we have to go. I, I'm just like what day do I have to be where? So, <laughs> okay so we are going to Glasgow and one of the people that are going to be there is Hayden. Yep. And Hayden's going to tell us now about the Open Transport Initiative. So, first of all, can you say in a sentence what it is? In a very succinct one sentence, Open Transport is open banking for the transport and mobility sector. The second sentence, which is more, I've got longer words to it usually, it's all about transport and mobility account interoperability. 
Now that sounds very complicated, doesn't it, Yeah, when you say transport interoperability. Yeah. Why is that so important? Well, let me, um, we all know that, in, say, just take, just take the rail industry, um, uh, there are 26 different train operating companies throughout the UK. Nearly all of them, I think, um, have got an online account. So that's 20 odd online accounts that you could have where you've got different silos of data stored around this industry. So you've got tickets, transport journeys, do all this sort of rail journey stuff, all stored in 20 different, 26 different databases of data put all around the transport industry. That's just for rail. And what you can't do is you can't join up the fact that if you're in one, one train operating company's data, you can't join up the fact that you've got transport data in another train operating company and see your end-to-end -end journeys and see your tickets in one collective place. So if you happen to have bought your train tickets on 20 different train operating companies around the UK in the last year, on 20 different websites, You'd have to go into, if you're doing your end of year accounts or you're, you're looking at all your total journeys or you want to see how many miles you did on those or whatever it is, you'd have to log into every single individual account to seek that information and pull it out. Right. What we're proposing, what we've created and designed a standard for is for those accounts to integrate and join up and therefore to be able to see all that data in one place of the customer's choosing. Right. But that obviously, all I'm thinking about there is the fact that people like owning data. Companies like thinking that they own the data they collect and don't want to share it. But that's correct, but all we're doing is, right, so the, the, the company, the train operating company, the transport provider, still has that relationship with their customer. They still host that data. All we're saying is that the customer themselves can join that data to another participating account and link that so that they can join up their own data that they own in the right in the way that they want to. So if you imagine that you've got a ferry system, you've got a bus system, you've got a taxi system, so you've got all your tickets and journeys in those different accounts. If they ever want to be part of, say, uh, an ABT scheme, what does that mean? Account-based ticketing scheme, yep. account-based travel scheme, so that you join up those so you can see all those data in one place. You need a common way of all that data coming together. Yep. would be proposed is a standard for that data to be joined consistently. And that's kind of what's been lacking up until now. Yeah. So in terms of sort of like bringing it back to the um, open banking so people can understand it. So if you have an app for your bank account yep. at the moment, now you can and you have other accounts because lots of us do yeah. you can actually integrate those in with the app can't you so yeah. if you have you know if you have a barclays and you you have a business account with somebody else and you have another you know and you have a savings account yeah. you, can, you can bring all of those into one app yes. and see it can't you yeah, that's and is that right. essentially what this is enabling spot on um, just so if you say that in december i spent 100 pound on cupcakes in one account, and then in November I spent £100 on cupcakes. In a, in a, making cupcakes. Exactly. <laughs> see what I was doing there? And in another account, you can see that over there, in, in you, can, you can federate those two accounts in, in the uh, open banking way, and you can see collectively you spend £200 over two months in those two accounts, but you only don't need to log into two different accounts, you can see it in one place. Right. Now, because the transport and mobility industry is far more fragmented, than the, uh, the, bank, the banking industry, because it was just nine banks that joined up together in the UK for open banking. Yeah. Because the transport industry is so much more fragmented. Oops. Oops. <laughs> that was the catering. <laughs> we believe that um, there's far more pressing need to do it in transport than there is even to do it in the banking sector. Right. 
just before we go on, I just thought I'd set the scene for the context of, I just had to ask Hayden to lift his elbows off the table because it was bouncing, but he's about a foot taller than us, <laughs> so he's now sort of having to squat inside the table. Sorry, but yeah, there's a bumping noise in the background, it was my elbows. <laughs> so you just stand wider. Okay, with so yeah, that, that looks worse. Well, but you see, that, that's a typical sort of like government minister pose, that one, isn't it? Let's look hard and stand wide. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, anyway, I... Uh, did you? Uh, my I crash, did. Oh, okay. Go on, you go first. Go on, you well, go no, first. Mine was simply. This sounds great. Yeah. Why would the the current? Uh, why would the operator, the people who own the accounts at the moment, have an interest in this? So there's two reasons for doing. Well, there's several reasons for doing it. Um, one could be the we say the carrot, the bottom up reason, in the fact that it's the right thing to do. Uh, it's also if they ever want to be future proofing this system because they're going to be part of a joined up scheme in some way. So if you're a, a bus operator and you are eventually going to be part of a smart mobility scheme or a city-wide smart city scheme for transport and everything else, you're building, you're future-proofing your system of putting it in. Um, we're actually talking to quite a lot of software and transport software vendors in the marketplace anyway, so they're already talking about including this standard in their default product set anyway. So it will probably be in that product set, what we hope, in some point in the future. So that's the bottom-up reason, the fact that it's the right thing to do, it should be done, and it's going to be brought into the industry. It's an open standard. In other words, we've given it away. Right. It's worth mentioning that we've created this standard, this specification for an API, it's for this data, but we've just given it away to the industry. So we haven't charged for it. Yeah. There's no license fee. There's no cost for implementing. There's no charge for implementing it. It's an entirely free standard. So what it's done is done lots of analysis, the business analysis and the, the work in, uh, uh, up front. So people don't need to say, oh, how would I integrate to another transport company? How would I do that in the future? We've already done this. So that's that bottom-up route. If I'm allowed the second way is we're now talking to legislators, authorities, people who are setting policy and organisations who are looking to how we could possibly implement this either as guidance or some other means top down. Now the open banking was brought in in a sort of very quite heavy handed way by something called the PSD2 regulations which are European wide, you will implement open banking. Right. Now I'd, hopefully the, 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 uh, the transport industry doesn't need that, hopefully the bottom up works. But we are talking to those people who are saying, well, maybe from a legislative, that's a long word for me at this time of the morning, a legislative way, we can top down, suggest and reinforce or give them a mandate for obligation. Right. So why are you giving it away for free? Well, there's a, there's a wonderful Chinese phrase. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best time is now. We needed this standard. We needed it a long time ago to be able to integrate stuff so it would be much better now. The only, but, enough, but to get adoption now, I'm not going to charge for it. This, the industry needs it. So we said, right, we pulled together, we've now pulled together, got the input from over 30 different transport providers, authorities, consultants in the transport industry. So we've pulled this work together and we've given it away in the expectation that it can be adopted as quickly as possible without caveat, charge or concern. So is it turning out or starting to turn out, because I know this is all very new, mm -hmm. the way you anticipate it? Because we, you know, within Rail Innovation Group, we talk about barriers of getting into rail and they get 
so bogged down in governance and all sorts of things. And really, this is this is an opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the barriers to adoption are people not knowing that the standard exists, not wanting they to will do now. it. Hopefully, hopefully they listen to your podcast and if they even bump into me or even sit on my table or even drink coffee next to me at this and other events uh, because I'm talking to anybody I can about it um, but also um, um, we're hoping that um, we can gain adoption but hopefully the barriers to doing it are really because people don't know it exists can't um, don't want to include it but to be honest why wouldn't you include if you're providing a new online booking system for your transport operator. Why wouldn't you include the the simple requirement next booking system to merely include the ability to have interoperable account integration with other accounts via an open standard? All you have to do is you put that one line into your requirement set and the next system you implement will use the open transport standard. Right. So we're not expecting it to be done overnight or even overnight. How has that take me? Well, so far we've been a huge interest, um, both in the operating companies and the consultants and the people that got involved in helping us form this standard. But as you can remember, we launched the standard publicly on the 3rd of January. Today's the 29th. Yeah. So it's only three and a half weeks since we actually published the open standard. It's, uh, it's fair to say I have been, I've had emails or conversations or telephone calls every, nearly every single day on average since the release of that standard for people who are interested from UK, Europe-wide and further afield yeah. to say, is it free? You mean it's free? Is yeah. it really free? <laughs> what are you giving away? Um, if I may indulge you slightly, it's also worth mentioning there are actually the two standards. One is the account interoperability, the other one is this directory, API directory transport we've, we've created as well. This sort of the sort code system for transport and mobility. That is actually getting just as much interest in the way that we integrate accounts because we've actually created a, a, a transit and mobility um, API for APIs. So if you want to well, see, I yeah. love that, that idea that you've created this sort code yeah. because in some ways, you know, because of the fact that you know with you know going back to the bank again with sort codes and yeah. ISBNs and all the rest of it, this truly is sort of like the opportunity to become global, isn't it? In terms of getting that interoperability throughout the world and yeah. how you get to mobility as a service in terms of joining it all up. You're spot on. Um, the, the, there are a number of barriers to mobility as a service. One of them is that you can't get all the operators within an area, a geographic area, working all together. You haven't yeah. got a common stand of them all together. You're not going to stick every single one of them in a mass platform. You're therefore, the private, the public sector people are not all going to suddenly all go, oh, I'm going to give up all my customer relations and all my CRM work and give it all and stick it all in this. Unless you're one city in Finland, maybe, that's about it, really. You know, you're not going to do that. Yeah. So the only other way you can do it is by federating these accounts, and that's the standard we proposed and given out and designed them. Okay. So could you talk us through just two examples? Um, as an operator, I just as in sort of how this would change what life would be like for me I'm a small bus operator in Cornwall tell me how this system would change the way I Assuming your bus operator in Cornwall, um, it runs a service and they've got an online account in some way that they store either the tickets that are charged for, they charge for, the the tickets they sell, 
or the, the journey records that they've got to their customers, or even just the concessions that they've got. You know, they might have a discount scheme for children, or uh, an OAP scheme, or something like that. Yeah. If they store an account that has that data within them, all they need to do is to say to their software provider or whoever does that online account for them, I want you to be able to expose securely that data when a customer wants it to, to be integrated with via that open standard. Right. So it is a change, it is a request they would have to make to their software vendor if it wasn't already part of that, their, their, that vendor's toolbox. But what, then what it would mean is if they are there, that bus operator um, was either part of a mass scheme or the customer themselves got on two different bus companies and got two bus companies to work, two different ones, and had to use, had two different accounts and couldn't see, and could see some of their journeys in one account and some of their journeys in the other. Yeah. What you're doing is empowering it so the customer in their bus app, either bus app, that bus, the, the one we're talking about, or another one, can go into either and look at both sets of journeys or tickets in a, in a joined up way, in a consistent way. Right. So if you have to get two buses to work from Cornwall, from Falmouth to Plymouth or whatever it is, if you have to get two buses to work and they go on two different bus organisations and you've gone into two different accounts to book them and to do stuff, yeah. you need only go into one of their apps to view both of those tickets and journeys to see when either runs out or when the discount runs out or the journeys that were made. And is that, that for as a consumer, a traveller, you've sort of gone into that bit. So as a traveller, the biggest difference I'd notice is being able to have effectively one app that has all my journey records. Yeah, so what it does, um, it, uh, it <laughs> I think at the moment I have National Rail tickets on like seven different apps and yes. I have to remember where I booked it when I needed to make the journey. Yes, exactly. Because only half of them go into Apple Wallet and the other half have to go into their own yeah. app. I know, it's bizarre. I mean, because how many, I wonder how many people are at complete app tarts because when I book a journey, I probably check yeah. about 12 different but operators for the best the fare because they're supposed to all come off the same yeah, system, aren't they? But then you've got different the same fares, but some and, and ticket splitting now, yes. depending on where they split. Well, Mark, well, you see, my new favourite app is Train Plan. Stop <laughs> endorsing them. So, <laughs> they might stop paying me. <laughs> PR person. So you're. Um, the reason why we're doing this, I say, is to put the customer back in control so they can federate their apps, so they can use the app that they want to. They don't have to dive into all those different accounts to find their tickets, yeah. to, to look at their journeys. Um, but it does open up the market. We, we don't even know how some people may use the standard. Um, well, we know from open banking that there's something called Money Dashboard. Money Dashboard is a separate app, a separate website that you can link to all the different banks that you've got. Yeah. And then you can see whether, so you can say, well, that was all fuel that were those two different accounts I spent that, or this was groceries, this was transport. You can tag it all. You can have one central dashboard for all your different bank accounts. Yeah. So yes, by the creation of open, well, of open transport and implementation of open transport as a standard in all participating accounts, it would open the market up to a cons one single aggregated, consolidated dashboard view of all transport ticketing. Yeah. Which would be very, very powerful for the customer. But, to, but just as a clarification point, this is not doing 
all the other bit about journey planning and journey booking. This Absolutely. is simply ticketing. It is simply usage and ticketing and discounts correct. Yes. So the money side of it. Yeah, the, yeah, the purchase and the procurement and the, the, the commercial side of it, yes. Right. But I, I guess really two things that, that strike me about this. One is that because you've given it away. Yeah. I like to say it's like being Sir Tim Berners-Lee oh. in sort of like giving a gift to the world. But also I think, you know, you just, did you just said, where's it going to go? Because yep. it's a bit like the TFL model, isn't it? They open out all their data and they just allow people to develop it and play around with it in any way that they want. Yes. And that, that is really the other opportunity, isn't it? Because yes. you might get something completely accidental out of it that you weren't expecting. Well, the expecting. thing I'm thinking of, first of all, is solely some some service you can buy that tracks all the things you're spending and then starts telling you to do different routes because they'll be cheaper. Yes, oh. well, yes of course you can. you for cheaper options. You're spot on. You're, 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 so I use that word so often. You're, you're, you're exactly right, Liam. If you've got a complete view of all end-to-end -end journeys, you can then start to gamify or nudge users in the right way. You could say to them, you could take a quicker route than the one you took if you've got a, a, a complete end-to-end -end view. Yeah. You could say a quicker view. Well, this is a cheaper view, or this is a more green approach, oh, this green way of life. Yeah. You can that. nudge people, once you've got a consolidated view of all their, their journeys and their tickets, you can therefore start to do wonderful things like change behaviour. And that's really what Matt is about. It's, so, so, it doesn't, we've got to look at the, the green agenda, the decarbonisation. So if, once you build up a, a proper view, a 100% view of all journeys and tickets, you then can start to move customers and change their behaviour to make them better. And presumably you could also do that for companies that deal with huge amounts of business travel as well. Because most, they spend over the odds now by booking. Because they spend over the odds by contracting out with certain suppliers. I'm not going to say who, um, because I'm sure lots of people who are listening to this may know a couple of them, but they don't necessarily always offer you the best value for ticket. No, and would they that give the most would, flexible tickets? But, but, not, but even then, uh, even when they're doing advanced purchase, you know, the amount of times I can say I can go on another website or whatever and find it cheaper, would that then allow businesses to actually look at their business travel and potentially come up with cheaper ways of doing it? So, so that's a very good point. Um, we've talked about individual accounts. Uh, and we've we built a specification to look at individual accounts so that you're just an individual P2C person doing a, a normal human being making a journey via multimodal, whatever it is. But it, we are looking at the possibility that the standard could accommodate hierarchies of accounts. So, you know, accounts within accounts, in other words, business accounts that then have got all potentially all their customers and users. But it gets into a minefield both with uh, identification, security, because if you were to suddenly open up a business account, how much granular detail do you provide of all those individuals and all their journeys just to one person? It, it becomes much more of a minefield from a, a data management, a data security. It becomes harder. It's probably better to let the customer to do it. Or you could provide an anonymized, agnostic view of that data and the metadata within that. 
and, and if that's exposed, you could in theory expose that, which would expose it to a company or even an authority would get a complete view of end-to-end -end journeys. We're not there with the specification yet, but people are saying to us, could we take, could we somehow integrate to everybody's account and uh, pull out just the metadata, the some yeah, of the data, and then. From transport planning, that would be so useful, wouldn't it? Um, oh, it would mean that you could do all sorts of things, and it means that, I don't know, the beginning and end of a transport franchise, you could take all the data and then you could pretend you could retain that data or something like that. We're not there with this yet, and we've got quite a few uh, so extra so, crap before we get there. So I'm, I've got another question because of the fact that, you know, going back to my, you know, I'm an appetite, um, but also I still buy quite a lot of orange tickets as well. What? What happens to the data with orange tickets within this type of system? Um, that's a good question. Well, presumably as a consumer, I could just take a picture of it and it would upload it to the app and draw the information out. But your orange ticket, assuming that you have it stored in your account, if you, you have a record of that. Yeah, so I've paid could, by my credit card. You paid by your credit card, card you paid it online. Whatever, yeah. If you've gone into a ticket machine, gone to a ticket machine and that isn't linked to your account, we haven't got any exposure of that. So the only other thing we talked to someone about was the ability to upload into their online account their paper-based tickets as well, but then you get into fraud and other behaviours yeah, like that. Yeah, because I think um, I think on my banking app, <laughs> um, I think actually it does aggregate it down to I've bought so much on travel and these were all the it different does. aspects and where I booked them and that. It does, but if you've got um, a, a, a normal uh, orange uh, couple ticket, uh, and, you and you haven't purchased that via your account, you've gone to a TVM or you've gone to a, a, a you know, you've gone into a kiosk and you've gone and bought a ticket, there is, that, that doesn't show in your online account. It's only those online transactions and those schemes that are linked to your account. Um, there is, there, there, I say, other people are looking at ways that you could upload that data back in or you could store, keep a record of it in some other way but unless there's an online record of it, our standard doesn't accommodate that yet. So it's quite important that we keep this digital progress going forward then in getting I think, well, into moved, smart cards, yeah. apps, smart device, whatever whatever the yeah. future of ticketing is or authority to travel is, yeah. that we move away from paper-based systems. I think as soon as we can get a full end-to-end -end view of every single ticket and journey made, every single ticket and journey made, then the better, the, the more we can get to 100% view, the more that we can make it more powerful and usable and, and get more data back out, get more value out of that data that is stored in, so and yes. I, and I think just to reiterate in terms of transport planning, personalised travel, having better data to personalise travel patterns and, and that, that really is going to be quite powerful, isn't it, for decarbonisation yeah. and greener journeys. Yes, yeah, yeah, it is. So whilst everyone's looking at it as an open standard, it is really a huge opportunity to change people's behaviours. Yes, it is. It is. It's, it's an, I mean, I'm not saying that we're going to save millions of trees doing this, uh, this open standard, but it's a step towards enabling mobility as a service, which has as one of its key agenda points decarbonisation and doing, driving people to a more greener methods of transport. So uh, is all, are you hoping that all modes of transport are included in this? There's no reason why all modes can't be and our standard does accommodate every known mode that we've got of transport. So we actually, in the lookup API, it goes off to look up modes um, and, and it covers everything from walking 
all the way through to taxis and cars, which are separate modes. Yeah. So, um, and we've got 15, 14, 15 different modes within that. So it, 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 it does, basically does a lookup. So it calls it, you know, zero, 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 001 is train or whatever it is. Uh, and, that's, and that's always referred to as that mode so that you can always know. So therefore you've got some way of capturing that data about that mode as well. So everybody refers to it as that consistent way. Right. Um, so we're, we're doing some enforcement of that, but it also means bringing some standardization to the entire mobility and transport industry. Yeah. Which it didn't have. They call things the same thing. Yes. Right. So if people want to find out more, how do they get in contact with you? Where do they find all, all the standards and everything? Well, that's a brilliant question. Of course, I'm here to tell your listeners, opentransport.co.uk. Uh, on that website, it's not just information about who we are, what we do, the process for making changes, but there is four links off to the published open standards that are available on what's known as Swagger Hub, which is an API repository. Um, so, and also there's a link to our blog, so there's everything. We've literally are really, really transparent in everything we do. We're, we're blogging, I would say twice, three days a week on all the changes and all the updates we get and all the, and all the so um, uh, there's information about that. So there's opentransport.co.uk, people have got all as that main area that they can come to and they can see everything we've done. And, and, and But also I will encourage people to look at the standard, all your listeners to look at the standard to see does it meet their needs. This is version one that we published three and a half weeks ago, but if there is the opportunity people say it doesn't exactly meet my needs or you've missed a bit or yeah. what about this or you haven't enabled this and please contact us propose a change, uh, we'll do the analysis, do the gap analysis on it, do the investigation, and even if it's a major change, have to put it out for peer review again to try and fold it into the standard. So this is a truly collaborative and evolving project being that's updated right. by the people that are using it all the time. Yeah, that's the thing. We want it to be as useful as possible, so as many people that can contribute feedback and, and make it, a, a, well, it's ratified, but make it as valid and useful as possible, yeah. the more people that contribute it, the more value it's going to be. So please take a look at it, everybody. If it meets your needs, great, use it and tell us you've used it. If it yeah. doesn't exactly, tell us why and propose a change. Right. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, I've got one more thing to say. Oh, okay. Because if you do want to know more, don't just look at the website. Come and see us in Glasgow on the 24th well, that's true. That's of February cool. because... Hayden is going to be with us and going to be one of our star turns. <laughs> <laughs> So Johanna, it's just you and I, Hayden has left us, what do you think? Do you know, I'm so excited, can you tell? <laughs> I, I, so when we met Hayden um, before Christmas when he was just doing the consultation on his standard in at the, the World Rail Festival in Amsterdam, I just thought it was mind-blowing. Yes. You know, what an open standard can do and how, I mean, like in some ways how it proved to be so simple because we've been crying out for something like this for years. I mean, when I mean, he said, you know, you know um, the Chinese proverb about you know, sowing the seed 20 years ago. Yeah. I've probably been going on about having something like this for 20 years, but I don't have the brain power to do it. I think the challenge is now going to be adoption, getting people to see the benefit. I still wonder about people who own data at the moment wanting to share it and being incentivized. So we need to work on the incentives showing operators mostly 
or local authorities the power of doing this? I wonder whether the world is changing, not just you know, not just the politics or anything, but I wonder whether there is a momentum that is occurring because you now have um, a generation who have grown up with the internet and technology. It's not full of people that are adapting. They expect it. And I wonder whether consumer expectations will drive it. And also, you know, maybe some of those benefits as well, because what struck me when um, Hayden was saying about how you could actually analyse your spend and how you could start to see patterns in the data and you could be driven to be nudged on different options according to your preferences. That was something that governments and organisations like Transport Focus will probably get really excited about because yeah. with the uh, recent passenger um, National Passenger Survey being published this week, value for money is still top of the pops when it comes to passenger dissatisfaction. Yeah. And this has the ability to drive better satisfaction because it will drive people to find better value for money or what value means for them. Yeah. True. Well, positive note for the future then. <laughs> we do have to clarify that the event in Glasgow is on the 25th of February, not the 24th as previously stated. Uh, hopefully Hayden will be there on that day too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Until next time. Thank you.